0: But they are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook i got baptized uh lake minnetonka uh, i hit a couple backflips. i tried to left field the most electric moment at target field in years uh, playoffs don't talk about me. playoffs you kidding me playoffs i just hope we can win a game my swag was Hello, everyone, and welcome into another installment here of the Minnesota Sports Podcast for the 17th of November. How's it going? I'm CJ Baumgartner, and we're breaking down all of the latest of Minnesota sports here for you today. And let's start with the team that played yesterday. That was the Minnesota Wild, and they lost 4-1 to to the San Jose Sharks at the X last night. And they're still in first place in the Central Division. But uh, losing to San Jose, a team that the Wild, especially last year, uh, loved to beat up on isn't uh, isn't a great start. And giving up four goals to them isn't great. Um, only scoring one isn't great. And it just overall was a flat night. It felt like it was kind of a dud of a game. It was a game that you really expected the Wild to come out to play well and to at the very least win, even if they don't play well. The Wild are still better than, than San Jose. And if you take a look – at the league standings, again, the Minnesota Wild—they are a first-place team in the Central Division. If you—if you look at the standings, the uh, Minnesota Wild, and uh, looking at their again, looking at the Central standings here, waiting for them to pull up, but they were a team that's in—they uh, were a team that's in first place. Well, actually, now the Winnipeg Jets move into first place, I should say. Uh, so the Jets move one point in first place. They are now uh, have 21 points. And right behind the Wild are the Preds at 19. The Blues are at 18. And now you have Dallas coming to town tomorrow night with Ryan Souter and that revenge game. We'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow, but that revenge game aspect of it. And that's the thing is you knew that the central division was going to tighten up. Now the Avalanche are starting to get things back on track. They're going to be fine as the season keeps going on. They're six, five and one. but uh, it, it's still coming up. the Wilder 10, five and zero, oh, and they need to figure out um, they, they need to figure out what to do in this situation because and I'm not going so the biggest critique from last night was really just a lot of players came out flat. And you can't do that and yada, yada, yada. And look, I get it. It's a long season. And especially when you play teams like the Sharks, that it's not really, uh, it's not really the, you know, it's not the game that you like strap up your pads or you put the, you grab your stick and you're like, this is the game I'm going to play hard for. There are some games where you just inadvertently, whether you try to or not, you just come out flat because it's an 82 game season. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, there's effort issues. And uh, no, I think it's just, it's a bad loss. I think that's, the way to chalk it up, it's a bad loss, they came up flat, and if they continue to do that, and especially if they continue to do that over the season in very winnable games, then, yeah, I'm going to notice it's a problem. But for now, I'm going to say it's just a one-off, you play flat, it happens, you play a lot of games, and you just have to hope that your star players, you know, people like Kaprizov, who, you know, outside, who's, again, I'm not going to say he's having a terrible season, but he definitely is having a down season, definitely isn't, Playing at the level that he was at this point last season, and you just hope that he gets hot eventually, and I think he will. Um, so I'm not gonna, again, I'm not gonna light the, I'm not gonna light the alarm on Kaprizov yet. But there has been players like him. It's been other guys with just, you know, it feels like they're coming out there flat. Feels like didn't get the the full stuff you wanted. And I'm not gonna sit here and say that that's a pattern with this team. This team plays hard, especially in the third period. So I'm, you know, and and maybe. It's that aspect too. It feels like this team doesn't play hard until the final period, but they only mustered up one goal yesterday. So that really doesn't fit into the narrative either, if you want to look at it that way. So I think just with the Wild, it's a one-off game against the Sharks. You just have to hope you can get more from Kaprizov, and you have to get more from some of your other guys, especially because that central division is going to be tight. We knew it was going to be one of the most contested divisions in hockey, and starting to see it, uh, starting to see it play out a little bit here. And when you look at Especially when you lose a game like that to the Sharks, those are just gimme points. You didn't even lose in overtime. You just straight up lost. Those are 3 points you just threw out the window because San Jose, they're 8-6 and 1. They have 17 points. They are third place in the Pacific Division. They're only in front of the Canucks and the Kraken at this point in the season. And you know, granted, it's a it's a tougher uh, I mean, Pacific Division has some tough teams. When you look at the Ducks in first place, when you have the Oilers, Flames, the Golden Knights are fourth in that division, by the way, which is an interesting, uh, is an interesting thing to take notice of. But whatever the case, uh, the Minnesota Wild need to figure it out. They have a chance to – they have one of those games that, you know, San Jose was maybe that game where there's no reason to come out sharp. There's no reason to come out firing on all cylinders. That Dallas Stars game is going to be that game, especially it's at the X – Ryan Suter is coming into town, the Stars are chasing me on the standings, all that stuff to me, you know, it's a division rival, it's the Stars, and you know, it's Dallas, and screw Dallas, all that kind of stuff, so if they come up flat in that game, then I'm going to be concerned, but for now, let's just look at it as a one-off thing until until something changes. All right, now let's shift gears here and take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and this, I know the Vikings are are prepping for Packer Week, I know it's all that kind of stuff, but this twin story, man. The the twins have just rumors and juiciness abound when it comes to talking about this team and this offseason. And if you haven't noticed already, a brick is being put on the accelerator for this offseason because of everything that's going on. Because of because of that passing report that said, well, you know, the lockout is going to start December 1st. Teams are leaning in the direction of they already want to know where they're going before the lockout. They want to make sure they have guaranteed money signed, and that it's a no-doubter where they're going to go, and they don't have to spend all offseason worried about if they're going to Arizona or Florida for spring training. They don't have to worry if they're going to lose out on money, all that kind of stuff, especially with the bargaining agreement. Who knows what that's going to do? So and the players just want to know where they're going to be signed, and, and, that's, and that's fair. I mean, it's just like all of us. If you – you know you're tra- you're switching to a new job you would rather know sooner rather than later you don't want to wait you want to make sure that you can tell you can go home you can tell your family that you have jobs lined up that you have everything taken care of and that's what they want to do and they want to do it before that deadline also cuz who knows when that season is going to start who knows if we get baseball in uh march with spring training and get baseball in april again or who knows if we go into the season and it's an NBA Uh, style shortened season because of the lockout and all that kind of stuff and just a whole mess of stuff that is potentially on the table if uh, if they don't sort this out. So it'll be interesting to see it. Uh, It could be like the NFL where we had the NFL lockout shortened season in 2011. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's looming and that they're going to need to figure out. If they uh, and that a whole bunch of players and teams are going to need to figure out, and you can see, a uh, players are already starting to sign, and we'll talk about what that means for the Twins tomorrow. But I think the big question that is on every Twins fans' minds is Byron Buxton, and there was a report yesterday from Dan Hayes of the Athletic and from Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic, and they said, yeah, the Twins are the Twins don't know whether or not they want to trade Byron Buxton. Now, uh, the thing with Buxton is, Buxton is a divisive player, and he's divisive for two reasons. One, he is a great player when healthy. But two, he doesn't say healthy, he hasn't had a long track record of good health. And fans get held up, uh, a lot of fans get held up on the second part, and a lot of fans want to cling on to the first part. So it's one of those things where, If Buxton plays a whole season, he's an MVP. We've said that before. If he doesn't, then you're paying a guy a lot of money for injuries. But also what gets Twins fans mad is there's the Twins fans that don't want to see another star player walk away because you – or trade – or traded, excuse me, because you didn't want to get him the money. You didn't want to give him the money. And that's what – especially seeing how Jose Barrios signed yesterday for a deal that the Twins could have paid for. I know it's a lot different than that. It was a lot of years Maybe the twins they want to go years, but it felt like the reports were saying that Brios was just demanding so much money, and it's the things of you know. And I don't like to get into the cheap poll ads thing. I think that's some people's narrative. That's some people's way of viewing the twins, and that's fine. I don't. I think that they certainly give themselves ground to do that. I'm not necessarily going down that hole, uh, that rabbit hole. So with the twins, they need to pay Byron Buxton now. Reportedly, the poll ads want to keep Byron Buxton. And like it was pointed out to me earlier today, is if the Polads really want to keep Byron Buxton, he should already be on this team. He should already have a contract l- lined up. They've been talking this talk for the last two years, the Twins and Buxton's camp, about getting an extension. And according to this report, it basically said that the Twins had a deal or or had a, had an offer from Buxton's camp, so this is Buxton's agent, basically saying, let's take like a seven-year deal, $100-plus plus million you know, whatever, but a lot of it's incentive-based. You know, and there's a lot of incentives in there where it's, you know, like we understand that we need to have the incentive-based approach, but we feel confident that he's going to be able to play, he's going to be able to make everything, and he's going to be able to do that. And if that's the case, if there was a deal like that, now, granted, I don't believe any hard numbers for that came out, so I can't specify what the exact numbers were maybe Buxton's camp wanted, 5 million in incentives or and they wanted, you know, 40, you know, what 20 mil, 25 million a year with 5 million in incentives whatever. Maybe you know, that's obviously not going to work. But if there was a I mean if it was a deal like that, if you're the Twins, I don't know why you don't accept that offer. I, I like that's the deal you want. That's the deal you want is the incentive based deal. The Twins offered Buxton an incentive based deal earlier. I don't think it got to the money he wanted to get. And or the years, I'm not sure which one. And if you're the Twins, you gotta tr- you gotta sign him. You have to keep Byron Buxton. But here's the thing about the Twins. Now I've talked about for months on this program how the Twins need to sign Byron Buxton. That's not that's not been a new thing. The Twins need to keep Byron Buxton. So I'm not going to sit here and spend the next five minutes retreading that. What I am going to spend time doing is talking about how the Twins have dug themselves in a hole because of trading Barrios in a way, because they traded Barrios. And I don't necessarily think the Barrios trade was a bad idea. And I've written before, uh, you know, it's been on, uh, read the article, zonecoverage.com. I said, you know, trading Barrios makes a whole heck of a lot more sense than trading Buxton because Barrios, you kind of already have seen the ceiling. You already know what you're getting. You know that you're not going to be able to maximize any more value out of that. And if you feel like that's not what you want to commit for long-term, then get some value from it and move on. Byron Buxton, on the other hand, is the one of the most special players in baseball, if not the most special player outside of Mike Trout, and and maybe Shohei Ohtani, just because of the two position thing. But if you look at the way, if you look at that landscape, Byron Buxton, when if Byron Buxton doesn't even have to play 150 games, if Byron Buxton plays 120 games, Byron Buxton gets a lot of MVP votes. Byron Buxton can do a lot of things for your baseball team. Byron Buxton, you know, we've seen the Twins' records with and without, and baseball's a very hard sport to judge because we always give Mike Trout a pass for, you know, the Angels not doing good when he's in the lineup. But when Byron Buxton is in this Twins lineup, he just oozes production and oozes, you know, his his speed making in the outfield, making up for pitchers. When they hit balls in the gap, he can run them down. Everything about it. So the Twins had and his hitting ability finally coming around, not just hitting the ball, not just ripping it down the line, but just mashing it over the fence. And when you look at the Twins, they traded Barrios, and that's fine. And at the time when they traded Barrios, they also didn't think that Kenta Maeda was going to need Tommy John surgery and be out most of next season. So now the twins are flying in. Michael Pineda isn't, uh, you know, uh, up in, unless something new has changed. He's an incoming free agent, and there are no uh, significant rumblings that sound like he's for sure coming back. So your John Gant isn't coming back. He elected free agency. So you look at your starters. You have Joe Ryan. You have uh, Bailey Ober, and Randy Dobnak? Question mark. I I don't know. I don't know, they're kind of fishing for stuff here, and uh, they, again, they traded a guy like Barrios to get some value, now they got Simeon Woods Richardson, who's a starting pitcher, he's not gonna be up in the rotation in 2022, at least not early, he's gonna, it'd probably be more of a mid-season thing, very unlikely he breaks the camp out of spring training if there is a hypothetical spring training due to this lockout, but The Twins have kind of dug themselves in a hole because they really don't have any top-of-the-rotation starting pitchers that even would give you an ounce of thinking that this team wants to compete. If the Twins put Joe—I like Joe Ryan. I like Bailey Ober. I think those two could be pitchers that the Twins could really use. I think Joe Ryan has shown stuff that he could be a number-one starting pitcher someday, but not now. He's only had like four starts in his career. Joe Ryan needs, like, at least a season before you could even remotely think of giving him the ball on opening day. It's like when the Twins gave the ball to Vance Worley, and you're like, really? I know, like, opening day is just more of, like, a, it's more of a pride thing than anything, but the opening day starter is Vance Worley? He didn't even last on the roster for three months. I mean, like, it's, it's just things like that where you have to field somebody out there competent because it's what it says about your baseball team. And if the Twins have to field a rookie... Uh, and Bailey Ober, or you know, just any, unless they sign somebody in free agency. But the Twins have dug themselves into a hole by trading Barrios. Even if it was a good trade, and Austin Martin comes up and is a good player, the Twins now have to figure out what they're going to do at starting pitching. And according to Darren Wolfson of KSTP, he thinks the Twins are going to explore the trade market more than the free agent market, which isn't bad. But keep in mind, your number one trade chip is Byron Buxton. And if the Twins trade Buxton, it would be for MLB, the reports are that it would be for more MLB-ready players. People who can come up, like, you're going to trade a star player in Buxton, you want a really good pitcher in return. So you might not get like a boatload of prospects, but you'll get is like maybe a guy who can play right now and maybe like one or two other like smaller prospects. But and then if the twins could do that, if they could land a good enough pitcher, it still doesn't matter. If the twins even land a better top of the line starting pitcher, it doesn't matter because of the value that Byron Buxton brings to your franchise by being Byron Buxton. Starting pitchers only pitch once every five days. Buxton plays in your lineup every day, and as we've seen by the stats, is a key contributor into why your team wins games. But the Twins might feel like they have to because if they can't come to an agreement, Justin Verlander's already going back with the Astros. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is already uh, going with uh, Detroit. He already signed that contract. Noah Syndergaard is going to the Angels. Some of these top, the Twins are probably not going to be in on Stroman and some of these other top guys. So now there's still some guys that they can get. There's some stuff that they can do, but. I this Twins team is going to need a top-of-the-line starting pitcher. And if, trading by, if they have to trade Byron Buxton because they feel like they have no options, I'm sorry. That's on the Twins. And I'm sorry if the Twins trade Byron Buxton, they're going to officially own that team. And what I mean by that is the Twins are now going to – the Twins have exhausted all of their other pitching options. They got rid of Barrios. Maeda's not going to be able to play because of injury. All that kind of stuff. They haven't landed a pitcher yet. And – if they trade one, there's a good chance that Buxton's going to be the player they give up for the trade, and it didn't have to be that way. You could have—I've said all along—the Twins had the money to keep Barrios and Buxton. Trading Barrios wasn't because oh well, he was never going to—you know—it it just he asked for way too much. It was whatever. It's like if you felt like it wasn't going to work, and here's the ceiling, here's why. But you had the money, you had it. If that's—if that's not how you wanted to build your roster, fine. But you had the money, and you didn't do anything about it. And that's, I think, what stings for a lot of Twins fans, especially seeing Barrios sign a team-friendly extension, in all intents and purposes, for under $20 million a year. This Twins team is is going to be—I mean, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are going to own this Twins team. I said ever since, like, the, at the end of the 2018 season, I was like, I don't know how much they really believe in Buxton and Sanoa as and I said snow at the time Barrios now gets thrown in here. I don't know how much they you know they they want their is this Falvian Levine's way of saying we want it to be our organization. These players, the Barrioses, the Buxtons, these are the guys who we didn't draft. We don't want them to be the centerpieces of our team. We want to build this team the way we want to build this team. We drafted Royce Lewis. We traded for Austin Martin. No, these are the guys that we want to build our team around and that's fine. But that means you are, I mean, you're owning it. And if you trade away Byron Buxton for quote-unquote your guys and it doesn't work out, you are going, I know this is the Twins, but you should be fired. And I like Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. I think they're a great front office. But if they botch this Buxton trade, if they trade Buxton and he goes on to be a center fielder and center fielder for the Yankees or the Braves or whoever, and goes on to have a great MLB career, if Buxton goes on to do all of this and the Twins just get Oh, a nice starting pitcher. I'm sorry you lost. And I'm sorry you give up a guy who can be an MVP, one of the most electric players in baseball. He has the injury concerns, but you need to sign the contract and cross your fingers. And if the Twins trade Buxton and he goes on to be very good somewhere else and the Twins don't even get an ounce of value back compared to that, yeah, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I'm sorry. You just will lose my faith in running this team because that's about the dumbest decision you can make. So. I like Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, but it'd just be pure incompetence at the highest level. Out of what? Because you don't want to talk yourselves into paying Buxton. Whatever. Sign Byron Buxton. Just do it already. If you see Byron Buxton leave, you already traded Barrios. You already saw Eddie Rosario win a World Series ring. I'm not a guy who likes to pound the cheap pole ads from, but there are a lot of fans who think that. And there are a lot of fans who, if they, what's, I mean, you just deflate the fan base again. And you better hope that these new guys come in and play well. Otherwise, you just deflated the fan base on three fan favorites, by the way, in Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios, and Eddie Rosario. Rosario, I thought, should have gone. But I've said that before in this podcast. You just open up the door to saying, the Twins keep trading all the players I like because they can't afford them, even though that's what target field was supposed to be, and all that argument. And... It, just, it will sour Twins fans, it will sour season ticket holders, and I don't care how many times Polite comes out and says, oh, I want to keep him, well, until you do it, I'm sorry, it means nothing to Twins fans. So now let's take a look here and finish up this podcast talking about the uh, Vikings here for today and with what uh they need to do preparing for this matchup with the Packers and looking at the Vikings defense they got a few they got a few pieces back when you look at Harrison Smith came off the COVID-19 list and Patrick Peterson also uh he is off the IR. He's expected to come back, and it's a good week to do that because you have Aaron Rodgers coming into town, and you have, you know, you're just going to need all hands on deck with that, especially because you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to pick on Bashad Breeland. You just know he's going to pick on Bashad Breeland. There is no way around it, and having Patrick Peterson on the field at least means that if he does get cooked, you have another, you have theoretically another guy you can throw into that uh, into that fire, but, It's just going to help the secondary. They're a little bit depleted. Now they get back. And now it means that if you're Zimmer, you can focus more on trying to generate pass rush and trying to uh, figure out ways to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers, which is the only way you're going to beat him if you can consistently get pressure on him. I know they beat him last year in Lambeau Field, but that, again, the weather and the wind and just everything made it so throwing was hard enough and that's why you saw the Packers' offense as limited as they were where the Vikings were able to stop in a run uh, defense. But it's just the Vikings' run defense this year uh, is a, a stat that I want to bring up because I talked about earlier in the season how the Vikings' defense, I'm getting up about 130 yards a game through the air, and it was like, okay, this isn't good. And now a few weeks, maybe I'm like, okay, well, have they fixed things? What has been the number for the Vikings now? If you look at run defenses – Per team, it has stayed about the same, but uh, I think they gave about 123 rushing yards. It was near uh, the middle of the pack, kind of that to 20 to 23 range, below average, but not like oh my gosh. Well, now they've it's gotten worse. It has gotten worse, especially over the last three games, they've averaged 135 rushing yards per game. On the season, they average 130 rushing yards a game. That is 28th in the NFL. We talk about how bad the Seahawks' defense is. The Seahawks' defense run defense is better than the Vikings'. The Vikings' run defense is just better than... Minnesota's defense run defense is better than the New York Jets, Detroit, Houston... And coming in last place is the L.A. Chargers. So uh, I guess it can't be all bad. But when you, three of those four teams below you are just – they're all having abysmal seasons. And you I – mean, I i don't know. And you're in that ballpark with them. Las Vegas is just one yard ahead of you. Uh, Seattle, it's – you need to be able to have a good run defense. not It doesn't have to be top five. But I am going to tell you the teams with the top five rushing defense, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Cleveland. All five of those teams are at uh, certain points in the playoff hunt, to certain degrees, I should say. They're all in the playoff hunt. When you look at the top ten, it is Washington in number six, then goes Tennessee, Cincinnati, Dallas, and the L.A. Rams. And outside of Washington, all ten of the – uh, outside of Washington, nine of the ten teams are in the playoff race uh, for uh, in terms of run defense, and you know it's the that's got to be a staple of the Mike Zimmer defense, is it not? It's to stop the run, make them one dimensional, and make them have to pass the ball. And when you don't stop the run you make them two-dimensional. They can run on you. And and Zimmer understands. He wants to win by running the football, controlling the clock. He wants to prevent his opposing team from doing just that. And when your run defense has been as bad as it has been this season, there's just no way around, uh, around that issue. And they've been getting run up and down on teams. And Aaron Jones isn't going to be playing for Green Bay this weekend, but it is still going to be a big uh, – I mean – Dylan, the running back for Green Bay, can still get it done and can at least still be serviceable in replacement. And with the way the Vikings run defenses, I don't really have confidence that they're going to bottle him up. And I know that we talk about getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers, that that's the way you have to beat him. It is. But also, if you allow Aaron Rodgers, a great quarterback, if you allow him to be able to run the ball too as well and be able just to know that he can call a run or a pass and you have no idea what he's doing, it's not going to help matters. That's not going to help your team, and that's just going to make it easier for Rodgers to manipulate to play at the line of scrimmage, to do all this kind of stuff, to put the defense in binds, get him out of position. And so the run defense just hasn't been great for this team. It's been darn near abysmal. And Michael Pierce being out for the year, uh, the way it seems, doesn't really uh it doesn't really help. Now I know he's on the short-term IR, but based on reports, he probably isn't gonna play the rest of the season. And that stinks, because Michael Pierce is a good player when healthy. Just the COVID year was weird and he didn't play, and this year just hasn't been able to stay healthy. When he was in, he was a good player for this team. And now they have to figure it out with what this Vikings team wants to do. They don't have Daniel Hunter. Sheldon Richardson has been that having that great of a season. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson has been kind of under the radar, I would say, um, when you look at uh, a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson because he's a he's a three technique, so he's not necessarily going to be uh, not necessarily going to be leading any stats. He's just going to be plugging up the run lanes, and that's really about the best you can. Uh, you can hope for Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, so he's not going to like flash out with a bunch of, uh, for the very the very least, he's not going to come out with a bunch of sacks. Rarely you're going to see him come out with a, a ton of tackles just because of the position he's in. Um, but right now, according to pro football focus, he has a 72, he has about a 72.8 grade. So he's been serviceable. He's been fine this season. I don't think that you're worried about the production you're getting from Dalvin Tomlinson. I think Uh, It's just worried about what you're getting out of that nose tackle spot, and you just haven't been getting anything. And so that's been making it tough on the Vikings. But now come on, am I being too harsh on this team? Let's look at some other defensive categories. Am I being too harsh on this defense? Because all the Vikings needed to do, again, they should have just leaned into being an offensive-minded team, because then it takes the pressure off the defense having to be great. If the defense can just be serviceable and you just lean into your offense more, you'll win more games or at least be in them. And there's not this pressure of you're having vanilla game plans because you're trusting too much on your defense, which is what the Vikings have gotten themselves into this season. So let's look at points per game. The 2021 Vikings have done a good job in points per game, relatively speaking. So they're about middle of the pack, which is what they would need to be, I think, for this season, if they were to lean more into offense, but they're not. But sixteenth, they are they're giving up about twenty twenty three and a half points a game, somewhere in that range. So it's not you know it's not terrible, but for a team that prioritizes defense and not needing to score a ton, it's created some issues. But twenty three and a half points per game, and this is about a they're doing about a touchdown better than they were a season ago when they were given up about twenty nine to thirty points a game. But it still hasn't been a great unit uh, in terms of points and again look at the top five defenses and uh points allowed buffalo new england green bay denver arizona denver gets a mulligan because they played a bunch of bad teams but their defense still has been serviceable um and they're still technically in the playoff hunt and then you look at the bottom the next five teams carolina new orleans pittsburgh seattle dallas and most of those teams are in the playoff hunt but the uh the Vikings need to turn things around a little bit. We all talk about how bad the Seahawks' defense has gotten. But say what you want about Seattle's defense. They're giving up less rushing yards per game, and they're giving up less points per game than the Minnesota Vikings are, uh, and they want to be in that playoff hunt. because keep in mind, the LA Rams are 7-3. and three. They've only given up one more point than the min. they they've only given up one less point per game than the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings average 23.5 points given up per game, and the LA Rams are 22.5. So there's not a huge difference in terms of your points allowed per team. It's just that the Rams lean into being offense. I mean, Sean McVay's the head coach. Of course they are. But they understand that, hey, our offense is going to lead the charge. Our defense is going – that defense has playmakers. But we're in terms of points allowed, we're going to do what we need to do uh, to make sure we win the game. And it's going to include prioritizing offense more. And that's what Mike Zimmer needs to do if he wants to turn this team around. And lastly here, I, I want one more stat to point out with this team because third down defense has been the name of the game, also red zone defense, and I was unable to find a third down stat here, but in terms of red zone, the Vikings have not been great in the red zone, and I think that also goes back to their uh, second uh, two-minute warning woes. Uh, inside the final two minutes of every half, just giving up scores left and right doesn't help your red zone percentage because a lot of them have been touchdowns. Minnesota, right now is doing worse than they were last year, actually, in terms of red zone stoppage. So last year, the Vikings were Ben don't break. And again, maybe the Vikings are better this season because they just haven't let teams get into the red zone more. That's fine. Whatever. I don't have the number in front of me to see what the volume is. But on a percentage level, the Vikings are doing worse than last season in the red zone. Now, they've tightened it up over the last few games, but overall, uh, they're at 68% um, for scoring percentage in terms of touchdowns. So if the Vikings let a team get into the red zone, there's a 68% chance that they're giving up a touchdown. And that is a 10% decrease from 2020. 10%! You are giving up touchdowns 10% more than you were last season. In the red zone, that's an issue. And that just brings me back to this broader point of this defense doesn't have to be great for you to be a playoff contender. It just doesn't. Now, the Vikings, again, Against the Chargers, they were still able to do things defensively. They they held Herbert to a 72.5 passer rating. He, only, he didn't even get past six yards per attempt. And the defense did get enough stops on third downs last week with a 41.7% conversion rate. But in the long run, this team just hasn't been... It on defense this year, and whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because some of these free agents haven't worked out, whatever the case is, the Vikings need to own up and say, you know what, this defense isn't good this year. Instead of trying to just run this team out there and cross our fingers and hope that something works out, we've got to lean into the offense. We have to lean into Kirk Cousins. We have to lean into Jefferson and Phelan and Cook and say, you know what? We're not going to go guns blaze and try and score 45 points a game, but we are going to take the conservative wheels off of this offense and know that if there's any way we're going to win football games, it just has to be our defense is going to give up 23 points a game, and we need to make sure we can score 24, which for this Vikings team isn't even that big of an ask. When you look at at the percentages, when you look at the uh, Vikings scoring offense, points per game, let's just make it real simple, points per game for the Minnesota Vikings – offense this season it is they are in terms of points per game they rank in the uh top half of the league they're 14th they're 24 per game so again the vikings have scored 24 points a game they average 24 points a game on offense they average 23 points a game on defense they need to lean into it a little bit more. They need to lean into the offense to get some consistent production. But the point is, is why you're not allowing this team to lean more into the offense production. Because here's the thing. They, they're scoring 24 points a game, and it feels like most of the time we're pulling our hair out because they're not even trying to score at some points in the game, and especially in the second half. So it is imperative that the Vikings lean into being a passing team because that's their only shot at making the playoffs. And Zimmer can say, look, we leaned into more being a passing team. I had to modernize this season. I'm going to get another offseason. We're going to get some draft picks into this defense. We feel like our offense is getting where we need it to be, and let's do this again. And that's got to be Zimmer's best bet. But he's, the, the funny thing is that what's going to save Zimmer's job this season isn't his defense, but it's going to have to be his offense. Not Kirk Cousins himself, but it's going to have to be his offense. And by that, I mean just Zimmer's willingness to, to embrace offense, even just a little bit more for this team to try and win games. Well, that's going to do it for us here today on the Minnesota Sports Podcast. We're going to be back tomorrow with all of this and more breaking down again. Wild Wolves, uh, their matchups, Wolves play tonight as well against the Kings and all that stuff going on as well. We'll be back tomorrow with some conversations on free agency, too. See you tomorrow on the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.